Do you have a lake or a pond in your backyard or really any body of water? That body of water could soon become a renewable source of energy for you that doesn't have any of the usual drawbacks that several of the renewable energy sources have today. Like being inconsistent because they are dependent on the sun or the wind, or they have a major environmental impact like a hydroelectric dam. I got the chance to speak with Rick, CEO of Renewable Ocean Energy, and he spoke to me all about his Poseidon device that can create the equivalent amount of energy that a 162-foot dam does without the dam. It's an incredible piece of technology, and there's no one better to describe it than Rick himself. So make sure you stick around for this entire interview so you can find out about this renewable energy resource that's really been around for centuries but just been put together in a new way that can be more sustainable and more reliable than almost every other renewable energy resource out there today and also significantly cheaper. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. Rick, can you tell us a little bit about Renewable Ocean Energy and what you guys do? Yes, Renewable Ocean Energy has devised a new way of producing electricity any water surface on the ocean, from a pond, a lake, or the ocean. And we can produce hydroelectric energy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We don't need batteries. We don't need sun, wind, tides. All of the traditional problems of renewable energy have been solved. Nice. I love that. And so what's making the power? What's generating the electricity? What we have done is we've blended three technologies that have been around in some cases for centuries and blended them in a new way that they haven't been applied before to produce electricity. And basically, we use a siphon to lift the water up. With the siphon, atmospheric pressure or sea level, you can raise the water up about 32 feet. And once it gets up to 32 feet, then we drop it down to another device. That device is called the hydraulic ram. Hydraulic rams have been used around the world for a couple hundred years to pump water from one place to another. And so we use the hydraulic ram to capture the kinetic energy of water. And as the water flows down the pipe, so we've got it up 32 feet, now we flow it down through the pipe and it accelerates, it goes faster and faster. When it reaches the bottom of the pipe, the valve slams closed. When the valve closes, all of the kinetic energy in that water flowing backs up. And when it backs up, creates a tremendous amount of pressure. If anyone has ever turned a water faucet off and had it go, that's traditionally called the hammer effect. And we capture that hammer effect and we put that water into that pressurized water into a tank. When we reach sufficient pressure in the tank, we have the equivalent of a 162-foot dam, but we don't have a dam. So we're able wow. to lift it up on any passive water source, amplify the pressure, get the equivalent pressure of a 162-foot dam. We then drop that water into a hydroelectric turbine to produce electricity. Wow, that's incredible. And that completely solves the issue of like when 
we try to put a dam on a river or whatever, and it destroys the entire environment up above it because of the flooding of that whole area. And then on top of that, it creates all these issues as well with you start releasing cold water down on the bottom. And so it destroys fisheries down the river as well, because they're getting this ice cold water and all this stuff. But you've completely solved those issues with using this device that doesn't need the huge dam, which is awesome. Yeah. I come from the medical background. Our first premise in, in medical school is do no harm. And so in looking at renewable energy, we look for a way that it would have no negative impact on the environment. And our device has been vetted with the Texas Environmental Quality Board, as well as the National Oceanographic Administration Agency. And so we really strive to make, have no negative effect on the environment. In our device, we incorporate fish filters so the fish can't get in to the device. Microscopic bacteria and this type of thing still can get in, but they're going to flow through anyway because they're in the water. We also incorporated water pressure dissipators so that we don't have a tremendous amount of pressure coming out of the device that may destroy the ecosystem. Nice. Very cool. And how big is this device? How much room does it take up? Well, we also apply some other unique features to it. And the reason I don't answer that question directly is because we have five different sizes. And our factory modules are about the size of a semi-tractor trailer. And each module is 250 kilowatts. If we want 1,000 uh, kilowatts of the power, we can just gain four of them together. 100, 100 megawatt, we gain 400 together. And we want to build them in a factory so we can ship them from a truck or a ship or a rail car anywhere in the world. The smallest unit that we're looking at is a residential unit of about one kilowatt per hour. And that'll be more than enough power to a traditional American home, plus some. But our focus really is providing power to the grid so that power can be distributed all over a geographic area. Definitely, very cool. And, and, and our largest unit is 100 megawatt per hour. Oh. And that is approximately the size of an aircraft carrier. Oh, wow. So it's 1,000 feet long and 450 feet wide. It's very cool. And so those would go more out on the ocean rather than yes. on lakes and stuff. Gotcha. Very cool. And have you guys deployed any like prototypes yet or where are you at in your stage? We demonstrated our initial prototype in 2016 to the Grapevine Chamber of Commerce in the Dallas County Utility District. And then last year in 2021, we demonstrated the lake prototype in Grapevine, Texas. And that was also broadcast on Worldwide Business News with the Catholic Ireland, both in October and with Bloomberg International News in February. And again, last night for World Ocean Day. We moved from North Texas to South Texas in January in anticipation of building our next power plant on the Gulf of Mexico. And so we're now working south of Houston, Texas. We have a lab prototype. We took the lake prototype and moved it back into the lab and we're making some modifications. So we expect to have a video of that in the next couple of weeks. Sweet. Awesome. For the ocean bearing devices, how far out are they in the ocean or does it really matter depending on different environmental factors or where do you usually try to place them? A couple of things. One is the device can be built on shore and as long as we have access to the water, we can build it. We can also build it on, as I said, in a, the size of an aircraft carrier. That device would have to be fairly far offshore, probably depending on the depth of the water, maybe a mile offshore. We can also build a device on oil and gas platform. So that's very far offshore. We've talked with some of the folks from the oil and gas industry 
about using the oil and gas platforms. There are 5,000 oil and gas platforms in the Gulf of Mexico that are about to be decommissioned. And so we can convert those to electrical power stations and bring the power into an underwater cable. If we do a shift and we're, say, a mile offshore, the one thing that NOAA has stressed with us is that we can't create a ship shadow on the floor of the ocean so that we don't affect the, the organisms that come bottom of the ocean. And so that's why we want to take them a little further out in order to avoid the ship shadow. Gotcha. So you have two options. They're either being built on the old oil rig platforms or you can build them on a ship and or, or on land. Right. On land, yeah. Because we just need access to the water. And once we have access to the water, we flow it right back into the same source. And there's nothing going on with the water during that process. So it basically just comes back as normal water. That's right. One of the things that we're looking at in the next stage is to monitor temperature of the water. We think there may be some potential increase in the temperature of the water by flowing through the hydraulic turbine. We're not anticipating that change to be any greater than the normal fluctuations from sunshine. Very cool. So what is your mission with renewable ocean energy? What's your guys' mission? The bottom line issue is to change the world. We know that there is a tremendous need for reducing carbon emissions. Every 100 megawatt hours of Poseidon power eliminates 50 tons of carbon emissions. That's our first goal. The other goal is to provide the power. There was a tremendous push in the United States for electric vehicles. Where does that power going come from? We know that there are roving blackouts around the country, and particularly in Texas in summer, where you have to shut the power off because there's not enough energy to go around. And so by providing a clean source and affordable cost source of electricity, we can help address that issue. With hydroelectric energy, traditionally it has been the low-cost energy leader. And we've taken it even one step further in that we can produce power in 70% of the Earth's surface and for less than a nickel a kilowatt hour. There you go. That's good. And do you see that do you see that price going down further in the future? Or do you think you're about where you're at with the price for the energy per watt? We actually expect that the price is going to go down. Nice. Yeah. We project that under our current circumstances, we've talked about a five cents per kilowatt hour with salt water and three cents with fresh water. And we expect that that may be a bit high and we probably will come down when we start scaling. Very cool. And what's your trajectory for scaling? What's your timeline looking like? Well, our timeline is building a two megawatt power plant on the Gulf of Mexico. We're actively looking for property to start that process. So this year, if possible, the expectation will take about a year and a half to two years to build it out and get it operational. Awesome. And you said that you were taking the lake prototype back into the lab. When do you expect to release that again? Monday. Oh, Monday. Quick. We're really close. We've been waiting on some parts and getting parts and components has been a real challenge. The engineers are coming in on Friday with the components. So we're hoping we'll be getting it back out really soon. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. The supply chain issues have been available for everyone lately. So no one is immune to the supply chain issues. That's true. Yeah. We've been waiting for four months for that part. Wow. Okay. There you go. And I know you also mentioned, I think on your website that you can retrofit old nuclear power plants as well. How do you guys do that? My dream is to replace all the nuclear power plants in Fukushima with Poseidon hydroelectric. We know that nuclear power has been used throughout the world and it is relatively inexpensive initially 
but the long-term costs are quite excessive. If you look at events like Chernobyl and Fukushima and Three Mile Island, there's long-term consequences to nuclear power. Technically, we would not retrofit the nuclear power plant. We just eliminate it with something that's more efficient, less costly, and safer. For sure. A nuclear power plant, I don't think, has been commissioned into existence since, I think, the 80s or something like that, because they keep on getting pushed back, and they always end up going, like, billions of dollars over, and it's just a mess. And some of those power plants that were built in the 80s are due to be decommissioned. There's a power plant in Michigan right now that I think just came up on its 20-year expiration date last month. And the governor of Michigan is trying to get that extended because she needs power, but uh, there are better ways of doing it as we know now. Definitely. And I wanted to ask this question in terms of bringing in creativity into creating this device and your company and coming, bringing this whole thing to market. How do you feel like that came to play in designing and really coming with, up with the idea? I don't know if you saw the, my video, we call it I'm weird video. <laughs> yes. Yes. I do know. And, uh, I tend to be a very creative person. I will look at something, turn it upside down and twist it back and forth and say, wait a minute, if we do it this way, it'll be, it, we can use it. In this way. So creativity is important in what we're doing. That if I have any gift at all, that's my gift is to be able to look at things in a different way and come up with something. That's awesome. I have four inventions now. Nice. Let me dive into that a little bit more. What other inventions do you have? The 14 others, what other ones did you create? When I was still in high school, I created the way for minimum tillage. I lived on a farm. And so with minimum tillage, we could plow and disk the land at the same time. And so that was my first invention when I was in high school. Throughout the years, I've invented other things. I also have a new suitcase where we just filed the uh, patent on that. If you have done an airline travel, you lift the handle up on your suitcase and you lean it forward and you move along with it with the suitcase on wheels. In my device, you lift the handle up and the handle moves forward. So all the weight stays on the suitcase rather than on the shoulders. 80,000 injuries that are, occur every year from the suitcases and putting strain on shoulders. Plus it has a TV tray table. So when you're in the airport, you have a place to eat and you can charge your phone and your computer. So that's just the, another one of my inventions. <laughs> that's really cool. I love that. So you, you're just like all over the board. You see a need and you create a, a solution to it. That, that's that's my talent. If I have any, that's it. That's awesome. And what is your career history? What have you done in the past? I'm just the name distinguished alumni from Western Michigan University because of the all the things that I've done. First of all, I'm severely hearing impaired. And that has always created a challenge for me, as it does for all hearing impaired people. I have a PhD from Vanderbilt University School of Medicine in hearing and speech sciences. Spent the last 50 years as an audiologist serving the hearing impaired community. And several of my inventions are in the hearing industry, and some of those are used all around the world right now. I have over 140 presentations and publications. I've authored the book, Resurrection of the Blue Planet. I'm an international speaker, both in hearing and in renewable energy. And I just got to keep active. Definitely are very active. That's awesome. Very cool. I can send you the copy of the article that was just written by Western Michigan. I think it would give you a little more detail if you like. Yeah, definitely. I'll do that and I'll link it in the description and everything for everybody else who's listening too, so that they can read it too. So that's awesome. And I know you're planning on for the rest of 22, hopefully getting out into creating that power plant in the Gulf of Mexico, but do you have any other 
general goals for renewable ocean energy? Actually, yes. We're talking about doing something really crazy, and that's trying to eliminate hot hurricanes. And the thought is that with our Poseidon hydroelectric, we can produce power out in the middle of the ocean. We can pump up cooler water from the from below the sea to the surface, change the temperature of the surface water, and reduce the likelihood or the power of a hurricane. We realize that in order to do something on that scale, we have to have multiple devices out there to cover the large territory. But just by changing the surface water, we may be able to eliminate that at risk of hurricanes in the billions of dollars that it impacts um, per year, just ridiculous amount. So for meteorologists kind of say that when there is a major hurricane or a major storm or something like that, there's a disturbance or an uneven balance of something. That's what's causing this major natural disaster to happen. What do you think of being something that is putting things back into balance? What do you think that would be, would you see something we become very imbalanced in a way if we stop that natural balancing? Like, what do you think that would? Well, I believe in a couple of different things. One of those, I believe in the research data that meteorologists and oceanographers have accumulated over the years about the development of hurricanes. The fact that they can predict that hurricane is about ready to form and predict within five or six different general areas where that hurricane is going to go. Using that predictive data from meteorologists and oceanographers, I think we can set up the, the chain of Poseidon power devices out on the ocean pumping cooler water up to that dynamic. And I think in order to again, do no harm, we have to be within a certain range of tolerance. We don't want to make the ocean so cold that it freezes, but we don't want to make it so hot that it, it causes a hurricane. If you're somewhere in between, where there's a healthy balance, and that's what our goal would be to, to have a healthy balance. And for that, we need to we need to involve uh, oceanographers, meteorologists, ocean engineers to make it all happen. So this is just a formative concept at this point for us. Conceptually, right. it seemed like it might work. Yeah, definitely. It's very interesting. So I love asking this question as we start wrapping up here. What are you currently learning right now? Like in general, are you reading oh. any books that you're really interested in or... I, any topics that you're in? I learn almost every minute from every person that I meet. I learn something. And so I'm constantly learning and constantly evaluating what I do learn and how I can use that information to make the world a better place. Yeah, definitely. And if you had one tip for another green entrepreneur or entrepreneur in general who is looking to grow their business, what would you suggest for them? Don't quit. Keep looking, keep trying, keep working. Don't listen to the naysayers. I don't know how many times I've done a presentation and had engineers in particular and say, oh, that's not going to work. And then after you sit and you walk them through it, they say, oh, I understand. But their initial reaction is it's not going to work. So a innovator's standpoint, listen to your heart and keep working. Definitely. And if somebody would like to reach out to you, get in touch with you, maybe partner with you in some way, how can they get in touch with you? They can go to our website and there is a place on the website where they can contact me. Awesome. So thank you so much for jumping on the call. Really appreciate you being on here. It was really great and very interesting to hear about renewable ocean energy and what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. And if you enjoyed learning about Rick and his Poseidon device with renewable ocean energy, 
I invite you to check out Swirltex. They are creating a way to make wastewater a resource for municipalities and businesses through their unique water treatment technique that doesn't use a massive amount of chemicals, but instead uses a proprietary technique to remove all of those unwanted particles without all of the harmful chemicals. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in taking your green business to the next level, consider checking out our Business Creativity Mastermind linked in the show notes below to harness the power of creativity and innovation to 10x your business. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.